All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. As you know, faith is a complicated thing and this journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and I am also on this journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my story and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of faith's biggest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. Hey friends, I have some good news for you. Rethinking Faith will be back in action once again this year at Theology Beer Camp as the God Pods strike back. This event will be October 19th through the 21st in Springfield, Missouri. And this year, the God Pods are looking amazing. We have friends such as the New Evangelicals, You Have Permission, Homebrewed Christianity, The Bible for Normal People, Crackers and Grape Juice, A Tiny Revolution, Secret Art Project, A People's Theology, Rev Covery, and more. And on top of that, we have some fun Jedi Masters hanging out, bringing craft nerdiness such as John Dominic Carlson, Reggie Williams, Adam Clark, Sarah Lane Ritchie, Myron Penner, Thomas J. Orr, Jay McDaniel, Roberto Shea, Espinoza, Pete Enns, Leah Robertson, Tony Jones, and more. It is going to be a blast. For more information, head over to theologybeer.camp. You can use promo code RethinkingGodPod, all one word, capital letters, Rethinking God Pod for $25 off of your registration fee. Come on and hang out this year at Theology Beer Camp. It was a blast last year. I enjoyed getting to see and meet so many of uh, you listeners, and I look forward to hanging out this year once again. So, again, theologybeer.camp and use promo code Rethinking God Pod. Hope to see you guys there. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Patterson. And before we jump in today, I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, that I don't typically like doing. It makes me uncomfortable, uh, but I'm going to do it because I have a few announcements that um, need to be made. And so listeners, forgive me. And I ask for your grace and patience or whatever language you want to use. <laughs> so uh, first announcement, um, I am currently back enrolled in school, which is exciting. I am working on um, on finishing up some things to uh, get a master's degree, ultimately with the intent of um, going into a doctoral program. So I'm very excited for that. 
but with that comes a lot more reading and a lot more, you know, uh, like writing and, and use of my time. And so for the podcast, um, that means that perhaps this might shift into an every other week format. Um, so if, or, you know, I'm going to try to be as consistent as I have been with the, the once a week stuff. Um, if I can't do that, then, and I miss a week, uh, that's just what's going to happen. And so I'm going to do my best to continue. Uh, but I also know you guys, um, are supportive hopefully <laughs> and are, uh, are down with, uh, the possibility of, of perhaps shifting to an every other week kind of format. So that's, that's one thing I have two more. Um, the next thing is I just want to give a shout out to all the patrons that support this show. Um, I know that I am very bad at fulfilling my, um, obligations <laughs> to the patrons. Um, and that's been a challenge for me, but you guys have continued to stick around and I just want to know, how, uh, let you guys know how much I appreciate you. Um, and the, the, you know, the money that you give uh, to the show to help make this happen. Um, it's, it's greatly appreciated. So thank you guys. I am continuing to do my best to be better at fulfilling my obligations to you all. Um, but just know that I, I appreciate, um, your love. So thank you. And then the last one is just, you already heard it in the episode, uh, prior to this starting, but theology beer camp is coming up. It's going to be a blast. I'd be remiss if I didn't plug it. Um, the amount of healing that happened for me last year at Theology Beer Camp was uh, massive, and I want you guys to be able to experience that. So if you're interested, go to theologybeer.camp. Um, I have a like a little discount code. If you use Rethinking God Pod, all one word, you'll get $25 off. So, all right, I'm done. No more announcements. I'm shooing away the capitalism <laughs> and also am done uh, making my, my guest wait. So with me today, friends, uh, is Dr. Royce Fitz. Royce, how are we doing today? I'm wonderful. Looking forward to this. I'm so honored, Josh, that uh, this is this is happening. Uh, this is uh, a wonderful opportunity to, for, you know, to, to meet you uh, via Zoom face to face. Um, and I, I often, uh, as I've listened to your podcast, when you refer to partaking with uh, partaking beer, and then now you they have a beer camp. It's like where, because <laughs> you know I was raised in a conservative orientation as you were, and here you know you're having communion. Uh, a communion camp is what it, it sounds like. And it's, it can be very healing. So anyway, that inspires me. And uh, and I'm very honored to be interviewed. Yeah, well, thank you for, um, I remember, I know it's been like, we've kind of been doing like a little back and forth uh, for some time now, but I, I appreciate your uh, your patience <laughs> and your your willingness to, to kind of work with me on that. Um, and now I'm excited that that we're here. We we finally made it. Mm -hmm. um, and I had kind of when I was um, sitting down and trying to figure out the best way to um, prepare for this interview, mm -hmm. I was doing what I tend to do, which is default to my head and try to write down like a bunch of cool things and get you to say these cool things that uh, you have said in your book. <laughs> Um, or something like that. But 
But then okay. I felt like that would be disingenuous to um, what I know of you based off reading your work and also just the few short uh, moments we've spent together prior to this conversation. And so um, I was reminded of when I interviewed uh, Rob Bell a while ago, right. and I tried to outline his book and then use that during the podcast. And Rob laughed at me <laughs> and told me that was not helpful and told me to, um, you know, ditch the my, you know, Josh intellect or whatever he called it and sink down into my heart and feel my way through the interview. And so I thought um, approaching our conversation today through that lens um, just felt more appropriate. Um, okay, I'm that good with sense? that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I love being spontaneous about these kinds of experiences. So I'm, I'm good with that. And uh, I've heard you talk on your podcast prior about how you are vulnerable to go to your head, and how that is a growing edge for you to not do that and simply go with your heart. And you know, the head and heart. To, to have a healthy balance about about this kind of process so i'm i'm happy to go however we go mm -hmm. this cool. is a stra josh this is a stravag you know as i call my book this is a stravag so it's wandering defiantly aimless with a purpose I'm glad that you said that word first before I said it, so I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it, it is hard to get. Uh, it, yeah, people, there's probably a bunch of ways to pronounce it. That's the word. That's the way uh, this person who introduced me to the word, that's how he pronounced it. And uh, he had to coach me a lot to get it right. Yeah, I when I was I was reading, I kept reading it in my head as like stravage or something like right. that. But stravag <laughs> is that how you? That's how I play with yeah. it. Yes, I like it. All right, well, we'll we'll tap into that um, in a moment. But I guess just so listeners are aware um, that the root of our conversation is a, a a beautiful book that you wrote called "The Geography of the Soul: Dreams, Reality, and the Journey of a Lifetime," <laughs> in which you kind of uh share this like a, a journey like a actual journey or a stravag as you like to call it uh that you went on and kind of the book traces this uh this journey but i'm i'm curious uh just for i mean i personally am just curious but even for listeners i'm interested in um pre pre-writing this <laughs> Um, what what is your story like? You've you've hinted at it a little bit, but what what's kind of like your your story, your upbringing, um, that brought you to where you are now? Uh, yeah, and I I do address that along this stravag uh, across England. Um, so my my emotional, spiritual, and physical background is in Western Nebraska. Uh, very prairie oriented and of course rural and generally quite conservative. I was raised in the Church of God, parentheses Anderson, Indiana, which is a Wesleyan rooted uh, faith group and uh, has some differences uh, 
actually quite a few differences from other Wesleyan-oriented uh, uh, faith groups. Uh, yet that is kind of the core. And, um, and uh, well, you know, part of my story, Josh, is, you know, I went to church at least three times a week as a kid and uh, experienced some beautiful moments within the church with friends and relatives and and some pastors and some of that nourishing uh, experience uh, that, that we call faith. Uh, and also a lot of shame-based uh, fundamentalism and and uh, rigid thinking and and living and and so that that is a part of my background uh, and and you know in many ways I'm still recovering and now I feel like I can have a sense of gratitude for uh, for not not the well a sense of gratitude for how that nudged me to grow even as I left that kind of orientation and that kind of belief system. Hmm. Yeah, I remember for myself just because, I mean, I, I go back and forth on this and I, I wrestle with this a lot, um, even in some current um, life decisions that I'm trying to make that I'm not quite ready to talk about on the podcast, but it's super relevant to, to what you're saying. Um, but this, I wrestle with a lot of uh, my background that I had growing up and it shows itself in places that surprise me um, or that I'm like, oh yeah, this is some kind of like, um, what was it? Like religious residue, which is a, a phrase I heard on um my buddy Dan Koch's podcast. Um, but also the tension of like wrestling with those places, but also coming to this realization that um, that has all been a part of uh, the journey. Um, it's all been a part of, um, you know, it's where I've been. And that shapes, <laughs> that shapes um, each moment of becoming, if you want to use processy language. Um even to the point where uh, recently I, I heard someone talking about how, so again, I'm going to, to mind here, but within a process framework, the past is done and it's settled. We can't change the past, but we can change how we relate to it. Because in each moment, you know, the, the all of the past is meeting us in the present moment uh, with, you know, the divine lore and we get to respond to that. And so just, I don't know. All that to say, coming to grips with that and seeing how that has um, shaped me and continues to shape me um, has been a great source of healing uh, for me. So I'm interested, like, do has that been healing for you as well? Just kind of this looking Enorm back? Into yeah, enormously, uh, you know, through a lot of uh, theological soul searching and and a lot of psychotherapy for my own journey as well as as um uh having periodically wonderful uh friends and and some family to you know to to process the process uh along the way um you know the the uh the way i look at this when josh when you said that you know, in in our understanding of process philosophy, that the past is is done. That has 
that, that has emerged, that has been created, and it is a past. And in my understanding of process work, there isn't a future. There, there are trends, there are possibilities, there are likelihoods, and yet nothing, nothing is fixed. So what we have in this, you know, this existential moment is, is, is us and everything that's happened uh, is contributing to the beauty, adventure, anguish, pain, joy of this very moment. So, uh, uh, and when I heard you describe that, there's another part of me that is that challenges that, and that I get uh, that, and I don't know how to hold it other than metaphorically and or literally. And that is, I'm a passionate lover of nighttime dreams, and what I've you know over 30, 40 years of delving into the dream world, what I notice too is that dreams tend to don't tend to not care about past, present, or future. Many dreams are everything all at the same time. We have images from the past, images from the present, images from what might be a future. And so one way I look at that is that uh, dreams help us look at the process at, and time as folding in on itself. It doesn't have to be literal, although that may be a fun way to understand life. However, the folding of the present into the past, the past into the future, back into the present, is a, is, is a wonderful way to look at how I'm a part of this creative process and how the process, with a capital P, is a part of creating me. Yeah, the... I love the dream stuff. So I'll the when you like had first reached out and we started talking and you mentioned um the dream work stuff, that was deeply intriguing to me. <laughs> Cause that is not something Yay. I have a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is not something that I have a ton of uh of like experience with. Yeah. Um I know let me see, I have it right here that um uh Sherry Kling. Um, oh yes, yeah. I'm in she, contact with Sherry. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I know Sherry is into some dream stuff. Right. Um, and so that was kind of like my first introduction, and in like, oh, like this is like a thing that that is intriguing to people. And then I myself um, have dreams have played an, an interesting role in my own life. Um, I from like silly things to the point where like you know. I solve problems in my dreams and then I wake mm -hmm. up and like have an answer. Mm -hmm. Like I used to write mm -hmm. sermons when I was sleeping. These like weird, I you know, that kind of stuff. I um, would love to have borrowed your dreams. That's amazing. <laughs> there are many consternations I've had about sermon prep over, over the years. Yeah. Mm. It's like you, you wrote them in your dreams. I'm, I'm envious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I don't know. I the way that I try to uh, or have justified it to myself um, or tried to explain it is that like um, my biggest problem with writing in general uh, has always been everything exists here in my mind. I just have a hard time sitting down and getting it out, and or it exists as like these jumbled ideas that um, 
I, my brain makes connections a lot that other people don't often see, but that's a curse because then when I talk about it, people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so the sometimes in like sleep or in, in my dreams, it kind of like clarifies and then comes together. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, exactly. You know, I can write that it provides clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I'm I'm just reflecting on how that serves you, that your dream world serves you in very creative ways. And and part of what I'm hearing, Josh, is uh, while these things, as you said, exist in your head and it's hard to get them out and and the dream world doesn't care about ego stuff. It doesn't care about rules. It, it, it tends to be outrageous. And it's always out of the box. And so when uh, when you're, you know, in as you're in your description, you're carrying this stuff. And the dream says, in a way, my projection, I really like this stuff. And I am going to find a way to unlock this and let this flow out. And so in the dream world, I write the sermon, if it were my dream. And and it may not be the same sermon I give in the waking world, yet there are very similar uh, aspects to it. And it, I, I, I don't feel bound in the dream world. So the dream gives me this. And, and you know, to speak about uh, the, the, the idea of God-ish energy, this is, I think, a way for us to understand uh, the process goddess or the process God or the beings uh, that are all, are all a part of this, because this is a way to create that the dream maker, whatever, whoever, whatever that is, is helping me. And I may not ever know that may not admit it, may not want to explore it consciously yet the dream maker doesn't care. It's always this is always a part of my inner process, and so out comes this uh, this writing, this sermon. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's so interesting. I am like side note. It would be interesting to like try exploring um, dream stuff. You know, at some point, as you know, you um, shared you know sharing dreams with uh, colleagues, and then them borrowing mm-hmm. that dream and how that kind of helps illuminate things um in life that that seems really interesting um mm-hmm. i'll say share one more thing about dreams um cuz i don't want to hijack this and make it the josh patterson podcast or something um i want to talk, yeah. <laughs> talk about your your work but i want to share this with you and and see what you think um growing up uh, as a little kid probably when i was mm, around like I don't know. I was very young. I would have this reoccurring dream that mm-hmm. continued to reoccur until it stopped. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain the stop in a second. But basically what it was, was um, it was a dream that took place in where whatever environment I was sleeping in. So mm-hmm. if I was in my red race car bed in my bedroom growing up, the dream happened in my red race car bed in my in my room. Or I remember going on vacation and this dream occurring in the room I was sleeping in in vacation. And what would happen was there would be like this immediate sense of danger within the dream. And there would be this 
creepy, like disembodied voice. I don't remember specifics, like what it was saying or anything like that. It was just scary and I didn't like it. And I would wake up sweating and heart racing, this kind of thing. One time, eventually, after this went on for some time, I, in my dream, got brave enough to start looking around and trying to find where this voice was coming from. And I ended up finding behind my red race car bed. I remember it so vividly as if this was like a real thing that happened to me. I looked behind and there was a small, frail, scary old man in a black robe with like the the hood over his head. And as soon as I saw it, he kind of like looked up at me and then this is where it gets even weirder. A lion, a lion jumped like out of the wall over my bed, landed on the floor, did like a roar and then turned into a whole bunch of sheep that covered my bedroom floor, like all over the place. The little old man was not there anymore. And I never had that dream again. I was like, what the, f- the- I don't know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Well, so we, better this podcast. we better end this podcast, Josh. This is truly <laughs> wacko. So goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, so are you wanting me to reflect on this dream? Uh, if, if you want to, sure. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I, okay. I can't, I can't help it, but reflect on it. And, you know, that's the, the instinct of, of uh, projection that we all have when we hear stuff, experience stuff from other people, we're already telling a story in our soul and our, our brain and our heart about what we're hearing. So I, as I'm listening to this dream, there were elements, there were moments, Josh, when I just got goosebumps, like, wow, what a, a powerful dream. And in for a child to have, uh, so just qu- a quick question about how old were you when it started and about how old were you when it ended? Yeah, I want to say I was probably, if I had to guess, like four or five Okay. Um, when it mm-hmm. first started. And mm-hmm. then I might have been 10 or 11 when mm-hmm. it, when they stopped. Wow. But they so- were pretty, pretty reoccurring. Yeah. So for, and I'm going to borrow the dream in, in the projective process, because I cannot interpret and tell you what it means. I can tell you what it brings up in me and what it, what I experience, because, you know, we're of the human species and we, we have a friendly energy with us, with each other. And, and also we're part of a community. So if I borrow the dream, then uh, I'm uh, joining the 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 human energy that uh, is called Josh, and Josh is joining me. So I again, I cannot interpret it. I can reflect and borrow it and project. So in this dream that I have had numerous times when I've been very very young, and then ending about eleven. So. So uh, that's a long time to experience this. And in my view, this dream is my friend. Uh, Someday I'm going to write a book that is called, for children about dreams, is called Scary Friends. 
uh, is the title. I've been carrying that around for years. And this dream reminds me of the dreams that are scary when I am young. And this is also a friend. So in I, I am growing, moving from four to five to six, you know, for about uh, you know, seven or eight years, I'm growing and changing. So I am in a process and my conscious self doesn't really get what's going on. However, my dream self is part of my evolutionary uh, energy that is helping me to grow from five to 10 or, or, or something like that. And, and, and so uh, the dream has reality based like it takes place in the room that i sleep in in the waking world and also in this dream i become more and more aware in the dream that there is a way for me to be empowered to find out what the hell is going on and so i anchor myself now, for a young child to know how to anchor herself or himself inside of a dream and to say, I'm going to find out what this, where this voice is coming from. It's a remarkable moment, in my view, up for my own self-development to move and to be curious and, and you know, to be brave. And this is where I get goosebumps. I'm brave in this dream. I'm scared and I'm brave. And so I look and look and I find this little shriveled old man. So behind the bed. So part of what, and, and this is kind of thematic in, in the dream world, that sometimes we have these symbols, these uh, entities, whether they're literal or metaphorical, doesn't matter. They still have the same power. This is kind of a shapeshifter energy and on one hand this energy looks like it's a little old man and if it if we own the projection it's also a part of the dreamer so a part of me is touching into an ancient part of my humanity so this little old man it, it at first is scary however i see and i forget some of how the dream is being described but in my memory, this shifts dramatically into um, a whole different image. And that, and when it did, that's when I, I stopped needing this kind of a recurring dream because the dream has been with me to help me grow, to some ways to help me stay alert as I grow, and also to help me learn how to have my own strong sense of self. And so there's this amazing transformation in this dream at the end. And what I remember, Josh, is there's all these beautiful fluffy sheep. And, you know, how scriptural is this, that, that this scary man, in a sense, represented for me a shepherd. And, and also the sheep represent this sense of being found i am the lost sheep that is found and again this beautiful pastoral 
Jesus story kind of image for me. And so that then helps me uh, more consciously be aware of my growth and and where I'm uh, and 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 how sheep can symbolize a sense of calmness and a sense of okayness that I am in the world. Now, another little slice of this is as I'm re projecting and as our listeners are listening to me babble about this, and the listeners have had their own projections about the meaning of the dream. So if we had a dream group on Zoom, we would have every person who would give a different projection, a different uh, view from their own life experience. And so it would be a rich kind of uh, 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 moment of all of us discovering what that dream means for me. Because, and this, the reason I got chills, goosebumps, is this dream is not Josh's anymore. This became Royce's dream. And I, I know for me, this is how a part of me has grown when I was little to learn how to develop my own sense of self and to be safe about that, safe as is possible. Yeah, thank you for doing that. I I appreciate it. And I, I love the idea too that, that you kind of wrapped up with there, the, the kind of communal picture of having multiple people kind of um, present to then, you know, give their own kind of perspective on things um yeah beer i don't know that beer camp is only one way to have community you know having a dream <laughs> retreat is another way and to combine the two would be pretty amazing that would be pretty cool and i'm sure uh probably some of the craziest dreams i've had also um, coincided with the consumption of alcohol. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> maybe another podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we don't call it spirits for nothing. All right, I like the wink there. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. all right. So, thank you for doing that. Um, I am already excited to listen back to that part of the podcast. Um, and kind of reflect on that. And even just um, being able to think and reflect on that dream, which is something I haven't thought about in a while, kind of while you were speaking about it and kind of giving your own, like, this is what it could mean for me kind of thing, um, mm -hmm. was just really helpful and um, mm -hmm. like it illuminating, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, well, it, it, if if this were a dream group, I, I and if if I were in charge of the podcast, yeah. I, you know, I, I would hand it back to you and ask what of my projections felt way off base or felt on target, uh, because ultimately the dream came for the dreamer, and uh, and I I consider that sacred, and it may or may not have meant. Uh, you know, what did it mean to you? Uh, so that that's where I would go. Yeah, sure. Well, I so I'll do that. Um, so I, the kind of um, the language that resonated with me the most was 
about kind of uh, when you talked about kind of that shift in um, curiosity within the the dream and recognizing that is brave. Um, that's kind of how I've thought about that part before, because it was such a terrifying dream. Um, and I don't, you know, think when I, whenever I've reflected on it, um, looking back, I've never, I don't know why I was one time just like, I'm going to figure out what the heck is going on. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. kind of happened. Um, and so that, that aspect, that shift, um, really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to the kind of the shape shifting language hit me in a certain kind of way too. Um, I'm not quite a hundred percent sure why, but that uh, that came across as as true or helpful to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think trying to put language to it, even. Maybe just because, you know, as we do grow and develop and shift and change over time, uh, fear does look different. And I kind of um, that figure for me in the in the dream always kind of like represented like the like fear. Um, But what made it scary was that it was unknown. And once I discovered what it was and it was illuminated, then it did. It had this like transformation effect where ultimately ended up with like these fluffy sheep (laughs) (laughs) which is a much different image so um i think it very much resonated with me um and and i think it it provided helpful language um that i hadn't um put onto it before if that makes sense yeah you know it i i'm touched listening to how you're processing this and and uh, uh, there's a couple things I, w- I just want to lift up in in the projective dream world. When when we work on dreams, uh, we are often without words. And uh, one of my dream mentors often used uh, the old English term for the unconscious before it was invented, the word unconscious. And it was the phrase that which is not yet speech ripe. And so, Josh, when you were saying, you know, I'm not really sure, I I, I feel something and I don't have the words for it. Uh, that is that indication that it, this is within us and it is not yet speech ripe. Also, this old person in the dream uh, often shows up in different ways in our dreams. Uh, this is not an unusual archetype that that comes. Sometimes this is called the old hag who terrifies us, sets on us, makes us feel like we're being smothered. Here in this dream, this is for me um, a way to understand uh, that as terrifying as this is, this is a necessary fear to change me. And when I confront this part, I'm changed. He is changed, and suddenly there's these uh, this room full of white sheep, fluffy sheep that are friendly. What an amazing transforma- transformation that is! Oh, and I want to say one more thing. Well, you know, the, so when I, you know, through your podcasts and how you have shared your your journeys, 
one of the things that stands out to me is how you have had to anchor yourself through some pretty hellish experiences and have had to make some big choices, big changes that were threatening to the psyche, threatening to what you knew of the religious self and and your sense of integrity. And look what that did. You know, you're doing this podcast, you're moving into more of a formal academic experience, as you shared earlier in, in this show. And it's like you took these stands and in the dream, you took a stand to find out who the hell this entity is, and it changed you. And this is a metaphor, I believe, an example of how a person has an experience like that. It is transformative forever. Yeah, I, I like that. It, it it just it kind of calls to mind even just, um, you know, other experiences that I've had throughout life, something like the idea of like a dark night of the soul, um, yeah. where when yeah, that you, happens, you've it's talked terrible. about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When those, it, when, yeah, the, mm-hmm. and, and it's always in, in pressing into the darkness, not running from it, that then transformation happens. Um, or I've, I've been reading this book recently called uh, cry baby. I'm about to interview the uh, author actually tomorrow evening and um, in the book, he talks about he traces throughout literature the that tears have shown up in literature at transformative times, and that like tears have led to to transformation. Um, and I mean, even currently, I'm asking some pretty big life questions uh, that are very scary. <laughs> and so the conversation's right. more relevant to my current like this present yeah. moment than you might think it is. <laughs> well, this is why in my dream, I remember this dream. You know, I was four, I was six, I was 10, I was 11. And here, I don't remember what age you are, but here in this moment, we're talking about it. And we're also talking about major life changes. And and this is for me is an evolutionary dream that, and the dream is on my side is always calling forth my uh my my growth and even in danger the dream is challenging me and and i know the dream is with me yeah we we all like sheep have gone astray how's that (laughs) there you go (laughs) and and we're back the shepherd (laughs) the metaphor of the shepherd is with us yeah, it works. I liked that tie-in too. The sh- the shepherd imagery um, was nice. Yeah, it just <laughs> it leaves my my brain spinning, and um, often, like you were saying, it just kind of uh, lost for words, just trying to like process um, process things. But I appreciate it. That's no, that's a a gift that you have shared with me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. And I'm always grateful for the dream. You know, your dream has helped me uh, in my own journey. So uh, I couldn't share it. I couldn't project unless I had my own version of that. Hmm. Yeah. And that just kind of to get back to something that um, I talk about frequently on the podcast, just the 
one so trying to think the best way to say this the 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 idea of interconnectedness is not one to me that like i know that can come off of something that's just like oh that's like just nice things that hippies say <laughs> um but i think it's actually true um careful there you're stepping on toes yeah <laughs> well i have my hair up in a in a uh like a bun right now but i'm oh, okay i can't i can't um rival your your yeah. luscious locks but i'm trying i'm, I'm working on it <laughs> you have your own you have your own version of that so yeah we're we're, uh, we're hippie bros Yes, I'll take it. I, I I embrace the the hippie and the woo language. Um, even sometimes to the uh, you know, I get made not made fun of in a mean sense, but w- from friends, they like to to poke fun mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, all that to say, I think the interconnectedness thing is 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 actually genuinely true. Um, like I think now that, um we have had this conversation and this interaction. Um, I can no longer be known um, outside of uh, this inter inter um, interaction, this relationship um, that we have started in the same way that you can no longer be known outside of that. Um, if we were to pull this out of our history, then it wouldn't, it would no longer be complete. Um, but I think everything ultimately works like works like that. And so the, um, the kind of communal aspect when you talk about this, um, like the the dream world kind of stuff, the communal aspect just seems to make sense um, because I do think everything is deeply uh, connected and interrelated. And I think that's one thing that the church does get right is that community matters <laughs> and um, being in relationship with other people matters. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That's just some thoughts that come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally support what you're saying. I get it. I get it. Community matters. This is about communion. And uh, how do we how do we honor those deep relational connections? And uh, and if there is God, there's also this deep relational connection within God for, with us and us with God. Yeah, most most definitely. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out a like a helpful way to maybe shift and transition here because I'm we've talked a lot about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I want you to be able to share some of your story um, as well. And so you essentially your book traces a very real physical journey mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. went on. But also at the same time, it's tracing an inward kind of spiritual journey and transformation as well. Yes. Um, what ultimately led you to embarking on the the physical journey itself? Like what kind of got you to that point where you're like, I'm going to go wander <laughs> aimlessly, but with purpose? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And and thanks for that question. Uh, it, there is it, there's there's joy and heartache in in the answer. Uh, and uh, as I alluded to earlier, being raised in the particular church I was raised in also uh, meant that I, as I grew and and changed, I noticed I I was changing way out of the box uh, and and. 
was having lots of struggles. And part of those struggles were personal and family. And many, much of uh, many of the struggles were about my own identity and also the, the struggle with whatever faith is. And, and I know I'm a deeply spiritual person, whatever that word means. I know that that is my core. And as I kept changing and moving, I also became disillusioned uh, in a painful and yet good way about uh, much of what I was uh, raised with and taught and, and how I was living. And, and without getting into too much of some of this, but uh, some of what happened is when I uh, got divorced and how that anchor uh, that was a part of my identity was uh, gone, and and how that shook my my foundations, and also how when I left the, what I understood as the church, how that shook my foundations, and that very scary formative or reforming time. Uh, reminded me that years ago I had read this article in the New York Times uh, about ten years before I took this hike, and the and the title of the article in the New York Times was a hike into history. So ten years prior to the hike, I read this article. I see the this one picture or two pictures in in the article of these huge standing stones and and uh this is uh, a, a location in England that the author was referring to and that there is this hike that began there and goes about a hundred miles across the countryside of England this captured my imagination reading the articles seeing these pictures it's like something about these standing stones, more ancient than Stonehenge. That was a, a kind of an eye popper moment. Something more ancient than Stonehenge that people, unknown people collected these massive stones and built this amazing highway across a part of England and before the English Channel existed that area also went across the land bridge between England and what is now Europe. So that deep, deep history compelled me, challenged me. Okay, so that's when I read the article. It's like, I'm going to do this someday. I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm an outdoors guy. I love to hike. And this had such a calling of, of deep, deep history. Beyond speech ripe, actually, because something about that was talking to me, like if the stones could speak, the stones could sing. So, so this, uh, the, this uh, area in England, as I read this article, uh, compelled me to mm. go uh, on this hike. And, and, uh, and, and so I archived this story for about, you know, seven, eight, nine years. And I would pull it out once in a while and, you know, dream of doing this hike. And uh, uh, 
And then when uh, my world changed in, in many ways and in many levels, I remembered, you know, this is a time to change myself even more. This is a time to expand more and do things on one hand that I only dreamt about and 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 take these physical and symbolic steps of going on this hike, having never gone to England before. So uh, the hike is called, or the, the trail is called the Ridgeway National Trail. And as I alluded to before, it is the oldest path in England and Europe. So 10,000 years ago, when the ice age receded, it left this windy ridge. Sometimes it follows the River Thames, and sometimes it wanders in other directions. Um, and also what intrigued me is when the Ice Age receded and prehistoric beasts began to roam, and then humans and other beings began to wander on this ridge because it was a natural path, they would take that path and travel from X part of England all the way across the English Channel uh, because there was no English Channel then and it would go across Europe. So that kind of prehistory, deep history just captivated my imagination. And, um, and, and so because of the tumultuous journey that I had been going through, uh, this was a good time for me to say, if I'm ever going to do it, I'm going to do this now. So uh, the trip or the, the, uh, the, 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 the hike began in a little town called Avebury, little village, Avebury, England. And um, when I took the hike, the walk, the saunter, the stravag, um, I kept a diary, I kept a journal of things that were going on, both inside me and physically around me and the people that I met. And, and I began to feel like there is another level of this hike, rather than just taking a walk across the country, which is glorious anyway. I felt like I was walking deeper into my soul and walking into unknown areas that sometimes were scary as well as expansive. And so along the way, I began to have these memories of myself as a child on the prairie. I began to have also um, remembrances of many of the clients that I've worked with over the years who reminded me that we all are on a stravag. We really don't know where we're going. And we do our best when we are attuned to, you know, the fear and anxiety and also to the, uh, the energies that compel us to keep going to be as creative as possible, to contribute to life as best as we can, and also to be attuned to the aspects that we get changed as we encounter others. So I had these wonderful memories of my clients and family and other uh, friendships as I was taking this walk and taking notes 
etc. And then I would meet people on the trail or in the little villages along the way. And I was on purpose about, in, in my view, believing that each moment is a, a, a synchronistic gift. And at one point, I meet this 13-year-old boy in a village. And we had this long conversation. And it reminded me of my own path at 13. And another time I met this soldier who was on leave. And another time uh, I, I, I uh, met other people like the shepherd, I, I call that chapter the, the uh, shepherd of Swincombe. This, this, and, and it's so good that Joshua and I talked about a shepherd earlier and the, and the sheep, that this shepherd epitomized for me this low-key, loving person who's taking care of his sheep. And this was physically juxtaposed to a church in the wildwood in the forest of Swincombe. And so how that invited so deep reflections within me about the church and about this earthy chain smoking shepherd and how this it reminded me of how the church and many institutions and in society have stood back or propagated or encouraged perpetrated abuse on people and and how many priests and ministers and churches and policemen and presidents have not been held accountable and so this this conversation was going into all of these levels and i'm walking on the oldest road in england so that's a part of how this road spoke to me and how it provoked me to wonder. And part of the effort in this book for me is everybody needs a Stravag. We, we can't all go to England, and that's not the point. But we all have a soul. We all have a deep inner self that we need to explore and to grow and change. And in relation to others and in relation to ourselves. This is a healing journey, this aimless, defiant walk. We sometimes have to be out of the box in order to become more whole and more healthy. Mm, there, so much there. I, you might've noticed I was, you know, taking uh, multiple different notes, things that resonated um, mm -hmm. as you were speaking. And one thing, when you were kind of talking about um, how the um, the history um, kind of um, invited you and like cultivated imagination, I think is kind of the language that you used. And I was wondering in my own, like if I'm reflecting on my own journey and then projecting back onto yours, um, part of the reason that I have found something like uh, when I went to an Episcopal church and participated in their service after not being in church for many, many years, or yeah, like many, many years, as if I can say something like that, seriously, like two years. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, the, the history felt like it was inviting me into something deeper. And when I was reflecting on that as well, the, 
being able to stand within a tradition of people like in this little Episcopal church with like maybe 10 people there, um, all who like were much older than I was that were just there uh, doing their thing, not out of some kind of like performative nature or anything like that, but just the love and the care that went into all the little actions and the whatever they were doing. Um, th- that the history of that did something for me. I was like, wow, I am now I'm standing in a beautiful tradition. Um, and these people are performing these rituals or, or saying these prayers. Um, and I get to be a part of that, even though I can't say these things for myself right now. And so that history piece feels like it maps nicely onto kind of that's the, the actual physical, tangible journey that you went on, but also the the, the aspect of the spiritual part. Um, that history, I don't have good words for it, but that history element, hopefully I'm trying to bring them together. I don't know if it's making any sense to you, um, but really resonated with me as something um, just within the, the spiritual journey. Like, like history and tradition plays a nicer role for me than maybe it did when I was, you know, a, you know, punk nose, like first pastor thinking that all that kind of liturgy yeah. and history stuff yeah. was silly. <laughs> so that was one of that part really jumped yeah. out to me when you were talking. Yeah. Well, what, part of what I heard you say is that when you went to that Episcopal church, that you were standing in, in the, in, in, in the midst of this ancientness and here, all of a sudden, you're praying, or maybe not praying, but being in the midst of others who are. Like you said, you didn't have the space and the 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 uh, uh, freedom to to join them, except you were in communion and community with them as they were like repeating these words that were hundreds of years old and the rituals that were there. And it was like a bath uh, of being within all of that. And, and, and so, so yes, uh, the Ridgeway, it was, that is that for me as well, that I am taking steps that prehistoric beasts took, that pre-humans took, that, other beings took and and I'm walking in that kind of history and this is like another version of communion that I'm experiencing what they experienced and and perhaps in the mystery of time they're experiencing again what I'm experiencing so that this lovely conversation keeps unfolding and i'm changed and also like you know meeting this little boy or meeting this soldier or meeting the shepherd and having these conversations you know we we they changed too at you know in a molecular way how we don't know and yet as you alluded to earlier in our podcast this interconnectedness affects us at all levels and forever at a molecular level. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it what you're getting at to, and even this, I think this this conversation has um demonstrated this. Your 
book does this very, very well, but you have such a way of kind of naming the human experience Mm -hmm. and, but doing it by being vulnerable in sharing your own story. Mm -hmm. Um, even, and, and I noticed that again, throughout, throughout the book, um, and, and in this conversation, but even something, um, as maybe seemingly mundane as when you were talking about, uh, first going on this journey by yourself and, you know, you're in the airport and you're, you have this kind of like anxiety and, and, uh, fear is like, oh, I have to act like I know what I'm doing, but really I don't. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, I I chuckled when I read that because I was like, oh, yes, I've had that experience too. So it's like it, this deep naming. But even then in this conversation, um, you kind of, you named something that I think people, most people probably all, well, I don't want to be overgeneralizing, overgeneralizing, but most people would probably agree with, you said, um, that we all don't know where we're going. We're all on this kind of journey. This We're all kind of wandering and we don't really know mm-hmm. where we're going. Mm-hmm. I think that too names the human experience in a way that is kind of defiant because our society as a whole doesn't allow for that kind of speaking. Like we're told that, no, like, you know, you have a goal, you have a plan, you have your career, whatever. But the reality of the situation is, we don't know what we're doing. We're just all in this journey together. So I think that really resonates um, with me um, in your work, just this innate ability to vulnerably name the human condition in such a way where like I find myself there too. And then it's like, oh, I met you just today, but I feel like I'm talking to a friend that I have had uh, forever. So Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, our culture, our world, you know, the, the world doesn't know what to do. So we create illusions. We have goals and plans. And, you know, of course, nothing wrong with that. How I believe the deeper calling is we need to own that those are illusions and we can still have a sense of purpose and meaning and joy. As we take this stravag, you know, the ancient Scott uh, person who invented the word stravag because of their disorientation out of the fact that England destroyed the clan system and they were ordered to stay home and stay put and shut up and don't don't be Scots anymore. And, and they defied that, at least some did, and they began to do what they called a stravag, an aimless, defiant wander. And that, to me, is a sense of the essence of life. We don't know what the hell is going on, yet we can contribute to what is going on, and we can, in a molecular way, change what's going on by our presence, by our uh, willingness to take risks, even to sacrifice. And for me, the core of this is love, that this is about the walk of love. And so the Ridgeway, for me, the word Ridge, I, I believe holds a beautiful 
uh, symbol of the ridges of time, the ridges of struggles that we have, and how we walk the line. And we don't really know how to do this, except we do this out of our heart. And if we're lucky, we'll have one of these imps that show up in our dreams, like Josh did, where it scared the hell out of me, and it shocked me into a new awareness. And so that is, I think, the essence of a lot of who we are as humans, and not just humans, but life forms. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> the The idea of this, like, you know, imp or figure, or whatever, kind of scaring us into transformation. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that really jumped out to me because it kind of um, it speaks to to a podcast I was listening to earlier today. Um, mm. My buddy Trip was, um, you know, fielding questions <laughs> about like atonement from a process relational perspective. Yeah, don't saying, don't don't get me started on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear that someday. But yeah, well, I'll, go yeah, for I'll, it. I'll send you that the the okay. YouTube link. It's it's awesome. But he mm -hmm. he basically he talks about the cross as giving us the right kind of nightmares that leads wow. us into transformation. So when you were speaking, I was like, yes. Mm. Again, it's this 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 um uh symbol or or whatever. Um the, and I think again just names the the human condition, but also I think the mm. um as you were talking, the um I'm still thinking stravage in my mind. That's not right. Um, stravage. stravage. Yeah, it's okay. Yes. Yeah, stravage. Yeah. The stravage also seems like, for me, just a better way of naming um, not just the like the human life journey, like you mentioned, but also the spiritual journey, as you have mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, today when we talk about like deconstruction and, and this, all this kind of stuff all the time, um, I like Stravag better. <laughs> I think it names the the mm -hmm. kind of uh, journey better, and it it almost has this. Um, well, like you said, it 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 has this like defiance about it, but it's not defiance just to be a dick. It's like defiance with a like a purpose and with like a like a <laughs> almost like a defiance with a like an air of hope or or wonder or curiosity, um, and. I I don't know. I I want to start a petition that deconstruction should we should change that word to Stravag. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, preach it because uh it, it th this does embrace this unpredictability of who we are and the unpredictability of the process, unpredictability of evolution, the unpredictability of where we have come from and where we're going. I mean, we live in dangerous times as we always do and even more. And yeah, I appreciate you embracing the word Stravag. You know, when I started this um, uh, journey, uh, I I did not know the word stravag, and uh, I allude to this beautiful story in the book of where when I was announcing to my clients in private practice, Rice is going to say goodbye for a while. I don't know what life is going to look like. I don't know when I will be back. And you know, my clients were some were startled, and to a person. 
almost everyone said, you know, their version of go for it, Royce. This is what you need. And blessed me. Okay. And then one of my clients, as I shared with him, uh, and he was a problematic client. He was not an easy dude to work with. And we worked through a period of, of conflict and we hung in together. And anyway, as I was saying, getting ready to say goodbye to him, he, he was crippled from uh, injuries and he pulled himself out of the rocking chair that I had in the office and he leaned on his cane, came over to me, grabbed my hand and said, Royce, you are going on a strophag. And I thought, what? And I said, what the hell are you talking about? Because I'd never heard that word. But in that essence of who, who of, of his journey and his the part of him that is was better read than I was, you know, captured that for me. And that became the core. And yeah, let's throw away the word. What would you what deconstruction and use the word stravag? It's more honest because it all it owns who we are as as a species. Yeah, <laughs> I and I love that story too. And it is, it's interesting. It gets back to something that it seems to have been a theme throughout this, that um, difficult times or something like that, or 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 fear or difficult people often lead to transformation. And Thank you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be a theme mm -hmm. that that keeps showing itself. Um, and I guess sp speaking of that, one thing that I, I really did want to ask you, because it um, also is another area in which I feel like um, our stories kind of overlap or that we relate is um, in regard to you going into and, and taking a job with the military. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and you, you want to you want you want to go there? <laughs> I do, I do because okay. Okay. I I am ride this. I am very similar uh, in the regard that I I mean I have friends that are in the military. One of my best friends until recently was a police officer. Um, all of these things are very difficult for me uh, because I have a very strong ethic of nonviolence um, that I've kind of always had, just almost as an intuition. Um, and then as I got older, I felt more comfortable expressing, um, unless I'm playing ice hockey, then somehow that goes out the window, but I think that's cause it's all part of the game. Um, <laughs> but I'm not killing anybody. Um, but anyway, I'm just interested in like your, your, the decision to kind of go into that space based off yeah. like what you shared in the book. Um, okay. and also how maybe that space has provided some unexpected transformation for you as well. It has been one of the most professionally, it has been one of the most expansive, painful experiences of, of my life, uh, personally and professionally. Um, and uh, yeah, I thank you for bringing that up. Um, so uh, I, I currently work in part of my waking world uh, in uh, at, at what I'm, what is called a military family life counselor, and and this is a specialized kind of service within the the military industrial complex. Um, that I, by design, I am an off the record un, uh, uh, counselor. 
so that as long as there's nothing dangerous or highly diagnosable uh, or or highly illegal, a a military member and, and family member can talk to me about anything they want to. And it's it totally does not go into their record. Now that's a big deal in military world because there are good mental health clinics and and uh, medical clinics on every base. And, and every time somebody needs to go to those, it's on the record, it has to be, okay. And so there's, you know, there's HIPAA, uh, confidentiality built in. However, if there is a need, their records could be looked at. And again, it's military. So I, I don't disagree with that. Somebody about 20 years ago had the vision that we need to make counseling more normal and more casual and, and more accessible. And this job that I do with all of the pain and 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 uh, uh, areas of growth that it, it it that it it, it that happens to me. Uh, this this reminds me of cha of chaplaincy in its best form, and I, I've gone through a lot of chaplaincy training in my earlier years. Uh, prior to my doctoral program. And so it's me wandering around a given base and building relationships with people. And then um, having some of those folks pull me aside and say, Royce, I'd like to have a private appointment. And so we do that. And uh, uh, so all of that is private and confidential, uh, given those rules that nothing is dangerous. So, so uh, how I got into that was Number one, I don't know if it's number one, but they're all about well, number two and three are all parallel. I, I came back from England. I was needing to, you know, earn an income and I didn't want to go back into full-time private practice. I was burnt out from all of that. And I had found out about this program that the military provided. And um, plus there were these little perks that, you know, I could go overseas and serve military installation there. Or, you know, as long as I'm licensed in a particular state, I can go to uh, one of the military installations there. Okay, so I am not a pacifist, although I lean in that direction. I, I know I have the capability for violence within me and, you know, okay. However, I am substantially anti-military at least as it is expressed in our culture, in our time. When I look at the enormous budget that our country uh, provides for, but it, you know, I, in my view, it's not the military that are the evil ones. It's this capitalistic energy that says, we're going to make money out of this and we're going to get the congressmen, et cetera, et cetera, to spend what about eight times more on defense spending than any other country in the world combined? It's like, is that right? No, not in any of, of my rule books. That is not right. Okay, so I have this conflict. Then I also know, what would life be like if we didn't have this? Well, as evil as the 
as the United States has been in some ways across the world, there's also been some amazing uh, benefits that has, have happened because of our military uh, establishment. So it's, it is a paradox. It, is it all evil? I, you know, I don't know. I, is killing evil? Yes. Is killing, you know, how do we wrestle with that? What, what, how, and I, I share some of that about my own journey. How do I wrestle with that part of me that uses the benefit of all of this? And also, how, how do I participate in this? So this is a, you know, a yin yang. This is a paradox. It's dark and light altogether. So I decided I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to do a Stravag. I'm going to journey into the what I believe are the shadows of our American soul. And it's my shadow, too, because I am an American and I pay taxes that goes to this stuff. And also, these are real life human beings that make up on a molecular level this massive military enterprise. What voice do they have? How is this being witnessed about what is happening, both by choice from them and also by order? In, uh, with what they have to carry out. What is, how are we witnessing this? So that is kind of the compelling thing. It scared the holy shit out of me to do this. And it changed me. I, I still am anti-military. And I also know how to be in this world, you know, in, 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 hopefully in a not too messianic way when I say I can be in the world and not of it. Okay. And, and then I get people that talk to me. It's like, they're going to talk to this dude with long hair who walks across the base. Yeah. Because I think sometimes I reflect a bit of who they are and they don't know that part of them. So that becomes an avenue for them to explore another side. I could go on and on about that, Josh, but uh, that that's a, a kind of a thumbnail sketch of what it is that I do. Yeah, I, well, it's a helpful, <laughs> a helpful thumbnail sketch um, and just more insight. And I think just one one more way to that, um, as I've I have mentioned, I think um, it's just the way you carry yourself, but, but the way you you tell your story um, or speak, there is just this kind of. Um, invitational kind of um energy around you but even into not just like oh this seems like a really friendly person to talk to but rather uh as you were saying i the and you and you do talk you talk about this in the book as well like the i think people can see that themselves in you or and and aspects like you're saying that maybe they're not fully in touch with but i think that speaks to just your willingness to be yourself <laughs> and be vulnerable and put that out into the world so I, I think it's cool um i yeah it's it's cool it is i and josh this is painful and this is not an easy journey and yeah and i don't want to sound grandiose about this but i have joy and heartache doing this kind of work and it's as close to my consciousness as is possible. I know I'm making a choice like this and uh, I can't change 
the universe and I can be this little molecule inside. I pray for peace, you know, that's what I, I, I hope that somehow I can contribute to that. Um, and that is perhaps illusionary. I'm a delusional dude. What do I say? <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know. I think praying for peace and, and living out uh, peace <laughs> is 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 a good thing i'm here for it so if that means being delusional then count me delusional <laughs> right the, well let's quote paul the, fool, the foolishness yeah. of preaching yeah the fools for christ mm-hmm. yeah man well royce is there anything that when you pictured our conversation today you were like oh i'm so excited to talk about this and then we just didn't do that um or like any maybe kind of like closing thoughts or or last words or something like that <laughs> i don't know it, it, it well to tease you it's it's a great therapy ending question because that's often you know some version of that i ask clients is there anything that needs to be said or asked and and of course you know i'd love to read the book to you all as you know and i want people to you know, to to read it and and to wonder about their own self. Uh, that all of us have a geography, and it is my view. Uh, it, it, in order to create a meaningful strafeg, we need to explore our inner and outer geography. Uh, I feel very enriched by our conversation so i don't have anything else to say or add uh other than uh being uh in deep gratitude for this opportunity well i i very much enjoyed it (laughs) even with the the crazy zoom stuff um aside i it's a fun conversation and um often so oftentimes when I find myself at like a loss for words, um, I feel like that is a positive thing. Something cool is happening. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I want to also express gratitude um, for this conversation, for your work. Um, hopefully I didn't scare you off. We can <laughs> continue talking and, uh, and yeah. I, w- I, I, I would it- love that. Yeah, I'd love that. Let's keep going in in some other ways. And yes. can I can I get invited to the beer theology beer Absolutely. camp? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing time and experience, and I think you would love it. <laughs> I I do too. I need that. You know, I, you've kind of alluded, and I'll just own for myself that my my church if there is one now you know i i vacillate between a couple of different denominations and i don't have a a real space or place other than my dream community uh that i've been a part of for a long time and um you know and 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 so hearing you describe uh theology beer camp whatever it's called it's like oh what a wonderful place to be real and authentic and have a stravag with each other. Have a beer, a foaming beer, and a stravag. Yeah, I think that's a good word, too. We're going to have to get Trip to adopt it. Uh, I think he'll like it. Um, but yeah, it, it really is. It's a, it's a cool community of people from all walks of life, 
all different backgrounds, like go to church every Sunday to I don't ever want to go to church again, you know, kind of people, <laughs> lots of fun um, scholars and, and podcasters. But the cool thing about it is that um, it's not your typical event where like you go and there's a speaker and then they do their thing and then they disappear. You're like, oh, that was cool. I got to hear this person I like. Um, Trip is a very relational person. Uh, mm. And so part of his uh, bit is like, oh, no, like if you come to beer camp, like you're not coming and giving your talk and leaving. You get to be a part of this community and hang out and engage with people and have fun. Um, and so all the people who agreed to come to beer camp do that. Um, and it's just it's really cool. It's it's a genuine community. There's no pretenses. You can be yourself um have fun and it's the only place i've heard a benediction with the phrase quote jesus the motherfucking christ end quote um that was beautiful and brought me to tears because of context and i'm like yes there is there is something to this so I will happily pass that information on to you. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's heavy theology. That, that, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Oh, heavy. Man. Amen. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Royce, thank you uh, so much for hanging out, listeners. Um, I am going to link uh, Royce's book in uh, the show notes. And then any other, um, Royce, if you want to... Um, send me any other maybe like information of ways people you would like people mm-hmm. to contact you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I can include the website. Okay? Yeah. Is that okay? If I do a little bit of that right now. You can, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So Royce fits F I T T S.com uh, on my online uh, work. Uh, I offer spiritual counseling, um, dream work, and I call it open hearted soul searching and uh, so this is my uh, passion in, in, in my version of ministry, of being able to be with people along this journey, this uh, Straveg. Also, uh, they can go to my website and sign up for, the, for a free introduction to the book. And the book is going to be released in uh, uh, mid-October. Uh, and, uh, so I appreciate being able to, you know, plug that and, uh, and have, you know, this enriching conversation with you, Josh, uh, has been uh, very, very beautiful for me. So thank you. Yes, I, I enjoyed it and we'll have to, uh, most definitely keep in contact and also talk again in the future. (laughs) Have another podcast episode. It'd be a good time. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, oh, I may. I, I'd yeah, like to ahead. have you. I'd like to have you on my podcast. Sounds so like a plan to me. It, it, yeah, it's it's called Healing Dreams Project, a play mm-hmm. on the word projection. And uh, I'm saying this to the listeners: we will have Josh on that podcast, <laughs> and and if Josh is comfortable, Josh will share a dream, and uh, the my three three counting me the triumphant we will explore the dream in the projective fashion and the listeners will also have a chance to kind of do their own version of dream work because everybody is going to project on the dream so the dream comes for all of us so uh, that is a given we'll have you on josh 
That sounds awesome. I'm already excited for that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do I it like soon. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, um, Royce, again, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for, for hanging out. And um, as always, guys, uh, go in peace. Peace.